Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's all Steelers with Stan Zavris. Zavrin on Steelers. On ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. And in the shotgun, wide side to his right, a slot that way. He's back. He pumps, throws it long down the middle. The pass is tipped and intercepted. And running with the football is Kindred up the right sideline. Now he goes to the middle, and from behind, he's tackled at the 30-yard line. The pass intended for Smith Sch- or for Antonio Bryant. Smith Schuster hauled it down. And welcome to Saverin on Sports and Saverin on Steelers on the Pittsburgh Steelers Football Network, 970 ESPN and Steelers Nation Radio. We're at the Steelers facility following the Mike Tomlin press conference. Uh, Among other things, coming up, a question that I asked, as a matter of fact, uh, the Steelers' pass offense has not been what most expected to be, but they are 3-1. and The question is, is it Ben? Is it Martavis Bryant getting the rust off? Is it something else? Is that the running game was a little bit late in developing all of the above? Hey, they are 3-1, and one, but we've seen much better. We're joined now by Cordell Stewart. Cordell joins us every Monday here on Saverin on Sports. Cordell, how are you? Stan, I'm doing pretty good, man. Just uh, listen to everything you said about this team and and what they're trying to accomplish, uh, I think the, the the goal, the true goal, is to is to get to a place where they're starting to play some championship style football. And and as I say all the time, just being a part of that city and, and, and understanding the Steelers' way, you know, it's better to be playing some really really good football in the month of November and December uh, because now you place yourself in the division, you place yourself in the conference to hopefully try to get home field advantage throughout, but at least get a chance to be a part of the dance. So. Um, I thought it was a great win for them this past weekend playing against the Baltimore Ravens team that struggled coming off a road a road trip going to Europe and London, losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I don't think they recovered. And I saw the Steelers basically go out there and, and do a lot of great things uh, and, and walk away with a victory, as you mentioned, to help them be 3-1. Well, that having been said, it's interesting. Uh, I do want to get to the passing game, but Jacksonville, of course, uh, over in London uh, as well. They came back and lost to the New York Jets. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever – I think the Steelers played a game in Mexico City one time. Uh, I've, yep. I've forgotten mm-hmm. now. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, how how debilitating is that? And is this something that the Players Association, to get off topic a bit, uh, ought to address? I understand the league wants to play over there. They sell merchandise. The commissioner said he wants a team there full-time by 2022. Yeah, I mean that's that that's wishful thinking, and, and you know that's going to be up up to the owners and and what they feel is is best, and from a business standpoint, and 
and how you can expand the, the, the NFL brand, you know that for sure when it comes down to the field. They want to expand it as far out as possible outside of the U.S. So that's obviously that, that being a place where games are played every year uh, is something that you can look forward to. And I think I heard Coach John Harbaugh mention that he didn't want to go back and play in that game because he saw how hectic it was to do a, a fly-in and fly-out type situation to a place like London where uh, it's in the middle of the season. Now, the preseason, as we did when I was playing uh, in Pittsburgh early in my career, having a chance to go over to Japan, playing in the Japan Bowl in 96 against San Diego Chargers, to playing against the Chicago Bears in the Ireland Bowl there where the Rooney family's from out in that part of the country. Having a chance to be a part of that run was great. You mentioned Mexico uh, City. We had a chance to, to go to Mexico City and, and play there too as well against the Indianapolis Colts, I think it was. I know when I was there we did. And uh, in the preseason, as a matter of fact. And, uh, you know, that's great. But once you get in the regular season, to, tr- to break it up like that, to go that far to travel for a game, you know, it, it throws a monkey wrench into your routine. And so uh, I can understand why John Harbaugh was was, was – indicating that he, he wished you don't have to do it again if it was his choice. But understanding that, you know, the protocol of, of what you have to do being a part of the National Football League and, and of course, uh, being a coach of a team that's, you know, that's being obviously run by the owner, uh, one of the owners of the National Football League, uh, you're going to have to go where they ask you to. But, yeah, it throws a monkey into the mix of how you do things. And you just I, – I know for some, the few that's going over there not had success because Jacksonville seems like they have a phenomenal fan base there. Um, you end up walking away saying, dang it, especially if you lose. Like, dang, I wish we didn't have to go over there because it, it kind of throws your, your time, your ticker off just a little bit. So um, it's a part of it. You just have to adjust like everything else that's a part of sports and, and try to figure it out. Yep, no doubt. Um, we'll see. The owners are going to do what, what they're going to do. And if a team moves, it's likely to be Jacksonville. But in any event, I want to get back to the passing game and I, you know, remind people that the Steelers are 3-1. and one. And uh, as you look at the weapons that they do have, um, they, the passing game is a little bit off. I asked that question to Mike Tomlin today, and he answered pretty much the way that you did and saying, look, uh, you know, it's, it's a work in progress. Forget about last year. You know, things are different last year. But as you look at it, Ben admitted that he uh, is a little bit off. Uh, he was uh, last week against Baltimore. Uh, Martavis Bryant shaking a year's rust off. Um, we just expected huge things out of this offense, Cordell. Yeah, I know you did, but truthfully, um, the Steelers have a, a funny way of going about their business every single week, whether it's offense or defense. And while com- from a conventional standpoint, you would love to see it be a certain way on a consistent basis, and you just alluded to it as a passing game, and trying to figure out because – of the team not having Martavis Bryant last year, depending upon heavily, depending on Le'Veon Bell as well as Antonio uh, Bryant, uh, Antonio Brown, excuse me, as much as you did, it worked. And so you automatically assume that James, Martavis Bryant and company, once they come into the mix, now it becomes this greatest show on grass, so to speak, right? Well, that, that's, I hate to say it, but that's not the Steelers' way overall. I mean, they, they have a phenomenal problem on their hands to be honest with you. When I say it's not their way, it's, they're just not a passing team. They throw the ball well. They make plays when having to. Ben is great at that. And T- Antonio Brown has been tremendous every single year uh, since he's had the opportunity to be the man on the field. Um, he's done it with Le'Veon Bell. 
without Le'Veon Bell, you're going to win Mark Davis, and without Mark Davis, I mean, it, you find ways to get it done to where the end result is what you look forward to. And I know it sounds redundant, I know it sounds repetitive, but it's the facts. You know, if this team can find their niche later on in the year for what you're talking about, because it may not even be the passing game. It may end up being a running game that really be the one that sticks uh, as you move forward through the season. And whichever one catches win the quickest, I think that's when the sale will actually come up and the team may start team may start moving pretty smoothly. So, so with saying that, for me, um, well, sure, passing game. Why isn't it coming around much better than it once was? Um, last year, I get it. I totally get what you're saying. You know, we saw the explosion on the sideline, you know, with Antonio Brown being frustrated. He didn't catch as many balls as he, as he wanted to, and that's not his personality with the Gatorade uh, jug and, and Coach, Coach Haley trying to, let's just say, you know, cool him down just a little bit. But sometimes you got to let it be. You know, you can grab on him and he, get off of him because he, he's, he's in his mode of, of, of wanting to get the rock. And I think the play that I saw – you know, I don't know if they worked on it in practice to the point where it looked like he grabbed the cross route, then all of a sudden he reversed the field and gets upfield. But Ben must have started pressing through it to the flat really early, and then that's when the frustration kicked off. But, I mean, hey, I like those problems. You know, you, you, you look forward to seeing a passing game, but it's being done by, you know, both, you know, equally. And you're still coming away being 3-1 in the first quarter of the season. So if, if this is the biggest problem they have, they just need to keep doing what they're doing if that's the biggest problem they're having because they're still winning. They are. And, of course, the, the, the Antonio Brown thing, um, you know, we're used to issues uh, like that with him. Um, ben Rothberger said today that it was, quote, unfortunate, uh, but he let people know that he didn't appreciate it. You know, he's out there and guys are rushing him and he just didn't see him initially. Uh, Charlie Batchett said that he uh, broke off his pattern incorrectly. Uh, Todd Haley then said, no, that's what he's supposed to do. But taking it on a personal level, I mean, everybody's out there trying. And I wondered, Cordell, in your career, I'm sure that there were guys open. You just didn't see them. You were rushed, especially in your case. You're scrambling around. Um, how would you have reacted to a teammate, you know, calling you out on the field like that? I won't. I wouldn't respond because they're, they're not having a deal. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With that pressure in, 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 the, in the backfield. I don't, I don't care if it was Yancey Goodpin, Charles Johnson, Plexic uh, uh, Cole, Hines, Bobby Shaw, I can go down Will Blackwell. I mean, the level of respect stayed within the confines of, of what we were trying to do. You saw guys get frustrated. You know, Plexico was frustrated all the time. You know, because in his mind, he wanted the football every chance he got. But yep. <laughs> the beauty of it was, you know, it wasn't the case. You know what I'm saying? It just wasn't the case. And if there was pressure and my first outlet was open to Plex, uh, Hines or, or even Mark Bruner, that's where I went with the football. Matt Christian, whoever may have been. You know, the ball would go through those guys. And when it was time for Plex to get the ball, I would throw it to him. I wasn't getting pressure with frustration. Because one thing I didn't try not to get caught up into was people's feelings and emotions of, 
you know, who thought they should have gotten the ball. So if I could split it in half and give a piece to Flex and give a piece to Hines, I could have done it. But, you know, I played receiver once a couple of times in, in my time in the league, and, and I know how tough it is. My thing was is just make sure you run your route well enough and consistently do it well enough to the point where when it's time to come to you, hopefully when I come your way, you're ready to catch the football and make a play. And that was the way Chan Gailey always taught us because that was my first time playing wide receiver. So to see that from Antonio, you know what, at the end of the day, for me, you know, you, you have those exceptions to the rule kind of situation. Who's the most go-to and the most targeted receiver on this football team? We know it's 84 at the end of the day. We know it's 84. We know we can rely on number 84 every single week. You can't say that about the rest of the receivers on that team when it comes to catching the football, making the yards after the catch. Now, is there a level of disappointment because of how he handled it? Sure. I think he even said it to the media when watching it uh, on NFL Network and, and him being at a place where he allowed the, the moment to get the best of him. It happens to us all. It happens to every player. You know, but to be disappointed, come on, man, really? I mean, how many flare-ups has every player on that team have and maybe cost him a penalty? That wasn't a penalty that was caused by Antonio Brown. That was just a moment of frustration for Antonio Brown. So in understanding that for me, I get it. Just have to control himself a little bit and wait for the next opportunity. And I think that's how he'll probably end up handling it. Yeah, that's what Mike Tomlin said. He's got to, you know, he's, he's got to control it better. And, and the last thing about that, Cordell, as you mentioned, you know, you had some really good weapons when you were the quarterback here. Certainly Ben has great weapons. And I remember Terry Bradshaw telling me that, I mean, every day at practice, Swan and Stallworth were lobbying for more catches. Even in practice, they wanted the ball thrown to them. Is there a tendency, though, on the part of the quarterback to try to make everybody as happy as possible. You are human beings, and if you do that, is that to the detriment of the team in not throwing the ball to your best guys as often as you need to? It depends on that relationship between you and the player. If you have a connection between you and that player, I don't think it's that big of an issue, honestly. You know you're not doing it on purpose. You know, there is no such thing as truthfully when it comes to the concepts of the plays, especially in the passing game. There's no such thing as unless it's a tag play after seeing a certain tendency uh, on certain downs and distances, uh, you see them doing certain things from this formation and with motion, you see the safety come down to the motion side. You see the cornerback still playing head up to outside of the backside receiver, the X. There's nobody getting underneath that route when he's releasing a field going vertical and you have that skinny route on, on the backside and all of a sudden you called it specifically at that moment in time to throw it to him, and you still end up going somewhere else. See, that's when the frustration can kick in because this is something that was talked about. So Todd Haley said, you know, while Charlie Batch and everyone said that he, he didn't do the right thing, and, and Ben said he was disappointed, Todd Haley said basically he did the right thing. So you have a multitude of answers and statements that are being made about the play. The question was, what was really the right play, and how was it set up to be designed for as Antonio Brown breaking off. And, and at times, from what I saw, he came wide open, so he gets frustrated. My thing is in my mind, where are they supposed to go back there? Now I have to look at the film to see what happened to Ben. He had pressure, so he had to get the ball out of his hand quick. Yep. Those are exceptions to the <clears throat> rules when you have those routes that are broken off routes that says this is what happened versus this certain coverage. 
and they couldn't get to it because of the pressure. That's what I would say to sum it up for a group of guys that are being, I think, a little emotional and frustrated and disappointed because certain things. I will be the bigger person in this case to help the whole situation outstand and say Ben just couldn't get to the route that Todd Haley said that Antonio Brown did run right because he had pressure and had to throw it to the flat earlier than he wanted to. I think that's what happened on that play. So for Ben to be disappointed, Antonio to be frustrated, for Charlie back to say what he said, that's a combination of everybody looking at a situation in a way that basically says, in a nutshell, keep yourself together, Antonio. We'll come back to you next time kind of deal. Because Ben had to throw the football to the flat. But he was wide open. Yeah, he was. But that's football. Quarterbacks get yeah. pressured. They don't see everybody. And you can get more of this, Cordell. NFL No Huddle. It's a free live show and podcast with Brian Weber. Live every weekday. That would be today. Today's a weekday from 4 to 7 p.m. on uh, TuneIn. TuneIn is your uh, everything audio app featuring sports and music, everything. Download the TuneIn app at the iTunes or Google Play Store. Really good stuff today, Cordell. I appreciate it. Anytime, Stan. I appreciate you, man. Just give us a call at uh, one team tune in. That's one team tune in. Give us a shout. And myself and Brian Weber will talk Pittsburgh if you like. Uh, anything else, if you're listening there in Pittsburgh, you want to talk about another team, uh, we better help you out and talk about it from 4 to 7 Eastern, 1 to 4 Pacific. Uh, every day, Monday through Friday, as I mentioned. Outstanding. Great stuff today, Cordell. We'll look forward to talking again next Tuesday. Yes, sir. Thanks, man. All right. There he goes, Cordell Stewart, K-slash, 10, former Steeler. When we come back, uh, it's, it's interesting to me uh, about the penalty situation. The Steelers have gotten slightly better, eight, uh, obviously too many, but there's something that's really intriguing about that. And two national publications or two national organizations have come out with their power rankings in the NFL after week four, and they differ. Uh, I'll tell you about those, and in addition to that, um, the Steeler defense, it is ranked very highly stat-wise in the NFL. But is that because they haven't played any good quarterbacks? One asterisk, one caveat, they're not going to see that many. There aren't that many in the NFL anymore. Rob King will join us today at 1.30. That's all ahead. Thanks for joining me on Savern on Sports. Rather than take a four-point lead, that would have forced Kansas City to score a touchdown to win. Jamison Crowder, here come the laterals. Back to Cousins, who cannot catch it. It's on the ground. Picked up by Jordan Reed, now Thompson. Kansas City has it. This might be meaningful to some. Houston scores a touchdown. Sean McDonough from ESPN calling the game. This may be meaningful to some. He was talking to people who get the game because of the three-point lead, which it was, 23-20. to 20, Kansas City not only did not cover the spread, but with the extra six points, the over instead of the under became the winner. So it was very, very meaningful. Washington had a chance to win the game. Receiver... I wouldn't call it a drop in the end zone, but you want to be a playoff team, you got to make big plays. He hangs on to that, and maybe the Redskins defeat the Chiefs, which would help the Steelers. A couple things that interest me. Uh, we talk about the Steelers and their penalties, and, of course, you don't want a lot of penalties. 
But I find it very interesting that the two most penalized teams in the NFL are the Steelers and the Chiefs. The two of them combined, 7-1. and one. Now, again, I, I know you don't want to make a habit of that. I mean, you don't want that to continue. But I do find it interesting that the two most penalized teams in the league are a combined 7-1. and one. Interesting. Depends on the penalty when they occur. Also interesting to me, Sports Illustrated and their Monday morning quarterback came out with their power rankings today after week number four, including last night, and they have the Kansas City Chiefs as the number one team. They've got Green Bay second. Of course, the Steelers play both of them this year. The Steelers are third in the SI rankings, Atlanta fourth, and New England is fifth. That varies wildly from what ESPN has. Now, the top, their top two, the same. They've got Kansas City number one, Green Bay number two, just like Sports Illustrated. But ESPN has Atlanta number three, even after their loss to Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Buffalo. Atlanta, number three. Denver, number four. The Steelers, number five. So both SI and ESPN of Kansas City and Green Bay, one and two. I don't know. Green Bay, I, I wonder about them. Kansas City, they're the only undefeated team. You have to rank them there, I would think. And they've beaten some quality teams. ESPN ranks the Steelers fifth, and the SI ranks the Steelers third. Interestingly, SI continues to rank New England in the top five. ESPN does not. And really, other than what you expect, the expectations for New England, what would make you rank a two-and-two team in the top five? Especially when those two losses have come at home. And as someone pointed out yesterday, we'll see how or if they turn it around but also by the same token, while the Steelers have played three of their first games away from home and are three and one, the Patriots are two and two, and both their losses have come at home. Is the Steeler defense ranked as highly as it is, largely because they haven't played a top flight quarterback? There's no denying that. My question is, how many will they see? Is that the reason why they're ranked highly? We'll talk to Rob King about that next. Rob joins me up next on Saverin on Sports. Ben gets the shotgun snap. He's back. He waits. He pumps. He fires, and that's a touchdown for Juju Smith-Schuster from 11 yards out. Ben showed the patience of Joe. Stood, pumped, stood, looked, and here came Juju right to left. Nobody covering um, you know, it's AFC North football. It's here. It's hostile. Um, my goodness, it's, uh, that's fun. It's fun to come win this football game uh, here, especially. 
And it was a big win for the Steelers because it doesn't define their season, but it sets them in a different direction. Uh, I've always felt like they were going to win this division handily, but they've got bigger objectives, and uh, they'll have to improve in all areas to attain those objectives. We're joined now by Rob King, my colleague at AT&T Sportsnet, as we close down baseball and look uh, forward to the hockey season at AT&T. But, of course, we're right in the early stages of the NFL season, actually past the quarter pole now. Uh, Rob, let's, let's, I've asked a question today. Uh, the expectations for the Steeler offense, especially the passing game, were so high because of how good they were last year. And then you factor in the return of Martavis Bryant. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, I think, is showing signs. And yet it seems like they're a big off, uh, a bit off, I should say. Does it look to you like it's Ben? Is it Martavis Bryant shaking off rust? Uh, is it that they really didn't get their run game up to speed? Is it all, all of the above? I think it's all of the above, Stan. Um, you know, I, I think that the offense runs best when Le'Veon Bell has the ball a lot. I also think other teams realize that, and they've been stacking the box. We saw that certainly in week one with Cleveland. Um, but other teams are trying to take away Le'Veon Bell. Um, you know, there's a lot of, in the, in the game now, there's a lot of run-pass options. And if Ben Roethlisberger doesn't like what he sees in the run game, he's going to go to the pass game. Uh, but I do think that, even with that going, you'd like to see the Steelers stick with the running game a little more. I think that feeds everything else. But I do think it's a little bit off, but I'm okay with that, Stan. I mean, you're 3-1 and one right now. Um, you know, you don't necessarily want to be playing your best football of the season right now. They certainly, in my opinion, especially offensively, are not. I don't think they've scratched the surface of what they're capable of doing. Um, so, yeah, the, the good news is you're 3-1. and one. I guess the bad news, if you want to look at it that way, is that the offense hasn't hit its stride yet. But I... I I'm certainly not overly concerned about that. Do you think, though, and you're right, I mean, they're 3-1. and one. Um, But even Ben said, you know, I'm, I'm missing plays. Um, you know, someone so far suggests that uh, the offseason conversation about retirement, going back to the old Chuck Knoll quote, if you have thought about retiring, you already have. Uh, I mean, I think that's uh, a bit of a stretch there. Um, but, I mean, even he thinks that he's a little bit off. Well, you know, um, I thought the f- very first play of the game, not this week, but the week before in Chicago, I thought Mark Davis Bryant should have caught that ball. I thought it should have been a touchdown. Uh, we might be talking about a 4-0 Steelers team if that happens early on in that game and they get on a roll. I'm certainly not blaming the loss on, on Mark Davis Bryant, and it could have been thrown a hair better, but I thought it was a pretty good throw that needs to be uh, brought in. Then he gets Martavis Bryant wide open and overshot him this week. So, look, um, is he as good as I've ever seen Ben Roethlisberger? No. But last year he was. So I have no, I have no reason to think that the best of Ben Roethlisberger isn't still there, isn't still in him. I don't believe um, he's, he's way too much of a competitor for me to not come back and give it his all. And I don't think that the retirement has anything to do with it. Um, that's just my personal opinion. I think that um, his best ball is still ahead of him. Yeah, that's my opinion, too. I don't think he comes back. Uh, and I think the reason he came back uh, is because he wants to win another Super Bowl or maybe two. Uh, I, I don't think that he would have come back uh, if, he, if he was, you know, half in. And, you know, you've got to be all in. 
Um, switching over to the defense, uh, if, if people are disappointed, maybe the expectations were too high from all of us, frankly, maybe them as well, the defense has been pleasantly surprising. Um, they rank in many categories uh, in the top portions of the NFL. But how much do we take into account that they really haven't faced a top-flight quarterback or at least quarterbacks like Flacco who have been top-flight but are not now? Um, and then adding to the second part of that, Rob, you know, I looked ahead at the schedule. They're not going to face that many top-flight quarterbacks. Well, how many are there in the league? I mean, the league is really suffering with um, the quarterback play. It's been bad. Um, we've seen some, um, some awful work from offenses around the league for sure. What I like, um, Stan, is that they've taken care of the business at hand. And I, again, much like the offense. Now, the offense is one thing, right? Because you have everybody coming back. You've got a really good line. You have um, a, a, just a fabulous running back in Le'Veon Bell. Great wide receivers led by Antonio Brown, who might be the best in the game. A Hall of Fame quarterback. So you've got all the elements in place. I think on the defense, they have the elements, but it's much less proven. They, you know, um, it, it still remains to be seen how the young guys are going to um, handle and, uh, a full season and hold up over a full season. And, you know, back in the secondary, can Tewitt and, and Hayward remain healthy? Um, how effective will T.J. Watt be? You know, Bud Dupree, can you get a full season at him? There's more question marks to me on the defense. You know, maybe some depth issues potentially at, um, at the middle linebacker position, and you still don't want to lose uh, Hayward and Tewitt. But that having been said, uh, and so I think it's a, a defense that is, gonna, that, is, that is not even playing its best yet. It's moving in the right direction. Cam Hayward, has, in my opinion, has been unbelievable. Uh, I just think he's been a dominant, dominant force. Stephon Tuitt, um is can be equally dominant. And then, you know, Watt, I think, has been a pleasant surprise. You talk about four guys on the edge that can bring pressure to the quarterback, and Ryan Shazier being a tackling machine. Um, I, I think that there's a lot to like about where the Steelers are headed with this team defensively. And if they can get to where it appears to me they can get to, um, they're a Super Bowl contender not just this year but for the next couple of years. I, I'm bullish on what they've done with that defense, who they brought in, and the talent that they have. They, they still probably need, to me, to get a little more depth kind of around across the board um, to really feel comfortable. But, man, they've got – They've got a lot of really, really talented football players. You know, Robbie probably answered this question. Um, we came into this season, and of course it comes after the AFC Championship game, thinking that the defense needed to improve, uh, but only to be sort of a sidecar uh, to the offense, which we thought would carry the team. And it was almost like one of those game manager quarterbacks, you know, just don't get in the way. We thought that's what the defense, you know, would need to be. Uh, but now that you've seen them and you've seen the individuals and what they're capable of doing, A, are they capable of being much more? And B, there was a lot of concern, as always, about the secondary. And they said one of the ways to shore up the secondary was to improve the pass rush, which they mm -hmm. certainly have. Yep. Um, well, look, Stan, at what, they, what they've been able to do and how they've put this team together. Um, they've invested high draft choices along that offensive line. Um, it, it ha I don't think it's hit its stride yet, but it's um, you know it, it looked awfully good against Baltimore. Um, it's going to be a terrific unit. 
Look at what they invested on the defense. You have a first-round pick in Cam Hayward. Stephon Tewitt, I think, largely considered a first-round uh, you know, talent who they got in the second round. Shazier, a high round, uh, first-round pick. Watt, a first-round pick. Dupree, a first-round pick. Uh, Burns and Sean Davis. I mean, they've invested in that defense. And when you do that, you're going to get talented guys who are capable of performing. And they are very capable of performing. I, I do think that they could use a little more depth, um, you know, on the, in the defensive backfield. But let's not forget, too, in that game in which they were tortured against the uh, Patriots, they were extremely banged up. I mean, you take – look, in the old days, if you took um, as, as great as some of the three, four defensive ends have been with these shooters, and Aaron Smith and Brett Kiesel were terrific to me. Aaron Smith's, um, you know, one of, their, one of their best defensive players of the – certainly the time that I've been here – but, you know, you took those, if you took a, you know, your typical three, four defensive ends out of there that are supposed to hold up guys and, you know, if they can supply a little pocket push, fine. But that's not what these guys are anymore. I mean, look, look at what they, if you put a first round pick on Cam Hayward, you're expecting him to be disruptive. And then you change the way you play defense to allow him to be disruptive. You don't just ask him to sit there and gobble up blockers. Um, although, obviously, like, you know, as I mentioned, some of those guys obviously did more than that. So when you take those guys out of your lineup, that's a huge hole. Um, those guys don't grow on trees. So the, the guys behind them, um, it's hard for them to be productive. So let's not forget that they were banged up against New England. Um, New England, and that's to take nothing away from New England. New England's New England. But I think if they're healthy and ready to go, um, they've got some really interesting games coming up this year. Uh, I would love it if the Chiefs were unbeaten. I think that would be a, a fun matchup. You know, you go to Detroit to see what you can do against um, against that offense. So there's going to be some challenges. You got Brett Favre coming up. There, there's going to be some challenges for this too. There's not week in week out challenges, but I'd love to see this defense healthy and see what they can do against some of these better offenses. And I think a little time under their their belt, Stan, will help them. You know, Rob, I think what's interesting because you brought in correctly the tandem of Brett Kiesel and Aaron Smith. The difference is, it seems to me that. Uh, when uh, Keith Butler took over, they changed the responsibilities to a degree of the defensive ends, and they let him go. Uh, you know, before they were kind of a you know reading defense, a two-gap defense, meaning that the defensive line linemen, excuse me, uh, had to protect um, you know a gap so linebackers could do what they can do. But in in the Keith Butler scheme, they turned these guys loose, which is not to say that Kiesel and Aaron Smith couldn't have done the same thing, but they were playing a different system. So to me, um, with their pass rushing skills and their mobility, um, I think that makes them even more potentially dangerous. Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I think that's, the, that's, yeah, that's exactly the point I was getting at. Look, uh, Brett Kiesel is a terrific player. Aaron Smith, I think if he plays in the fourth grade, um, he might be on his way to camp. And I just think that highly of what he was capable of doing. I think he could have done it as a strong side end or a defensive tackle. And in a 4-3 scheme, you get more opportunities, you get less double teams, you get more sacks, you pile up those stats that everybody loves. But when they spent the first-round pick, uh, first on Cameron Hayward, um, I remember talking to a couple of the, uh, the students' beat writers and the question coming up, what in the world are they doing, you know, drafting a defensive end in the first round um, in this defense? Uh, you can find a guy in the, in the fifth or sixth round to hold up blockers. Now, of course, more teams are playing three, four defenses than when they drafted those guys uh, and when they drafted nose tackles. 
Um, you know, those guys were a little easier to find later in the draft. Still, the point I thought was a valid one. Yeah, that, that is interesting. Why would they do that? Well, this is why they do it. Let them loose. Uh, tweak the defense. Let these guys play. I just think uh, I think Cam Hayward has been completely and utterly dominant in the last two games. Um, and, you know, like I said, and Stephon Tewitt being right there, I mean, that, yes, they changed the way they played the defense, which is smart because they have two guys up front that are um, – way different than most 3-4 defensive ends, defensive tackles, whatever you want to call them. Well, they've been uh, you know, a very pleasant surprise. We'll see. Uh, they shouldn't get ahead of themselves and worry about Kansas City just yet. Uh, no, every, definitely not. Every team That's has – yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. Uh, although I don't want that to happen either because, uh, you know, I have to take the phone calls next week um, if they overlook Jacksonville, who comes right. in with a mark of two and two. Rob, thanks very much. I look forward to seeing you Thursday uh, for our first uh, preseason telecast of Penguin Hockey. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Dan. All right, Rob. Rob King brought to us by 84 Lumber. 84 Lumber. Um, just let me get this in. We talked Steelers this hour, but I wanted to tell you that the Penguins have traded Derek Pouliot to the Vancouver Canucks. I'll tell you for whom and for what uh, when we come back. Plus, we'll have this date in sports history and birthday. Stay with us on Saverin on Sports. All right, forgive me if I sneak in a Penguin note here, but there's been a trade made. The Penguins trading Derek Pouliot, who uh, was not going to make this hockey club, to the Vancouver Canucks for Andre Padan. Uh, he is a, a defenseman, 24 years of age, 6'5", 213-pound native of Lithuania. Maybe he and Dovidas Nevaraskas can get together. Um, he, play, he started the 2015 season with Vancouver, played 13 games there, and then spent the rest of the year in the AHL uh, and did okay. He had uh, seven goals, 14 assists, and a plus 17 uh, in his time uh, with Utica last year, played the whole year in the minor leagues, um, he had 100 penalty minutes in 52 games. So that kind of tells you what kind of player he is. And in any, in any event, he actually scored some goals in junior. Initially, he was a third-round pick of the New York Islanders. The Penguins also get a fourth-round draft pick uh, next year, uh, this coming summer's draft. So that's the trade there. Um, I want to tell you about uh, tomorrow's program. Tomorrow we will be talking with Kent DeCalvey. Teak makes his final appearance of the season. As you know, he's retiring. So uh, we'll talk to Teak tomorrow. Also, we'll talk to Jerry Dulac about the Steelers. So we'll have all that for you tomorrow beginning at noon on Saverin on Sports. Time now for this date in, in sports history in general. Uh, on this date in 1976, Hammer and Hank, Henry Aaron, had his last at-bat in the major leagues. That, of course, was with Milwaukee. And in his last at-bat of his career, naturally, wasn't a home run, but he had an RBI single, a fitting way to go out. It was a good and bad date in history for O.J. Simpson. You know, he got released over the weekend. In, on this date in 1995, October the 3rd, he was found guilty, not guilty, excuse me, uh, in the murder trial, the double murder trial in Los Angeles. Not guilty. However, on this exact same date in 2008, he was found guilty of the memorabilia thing and the armed robbery and the 
crime for which he just got out serving nine years. So October the 3rd, a good day and a bad day for O.J. Simpson. Uh, exact same date. And on this date in 1951, the shot heard around the world. Well, we cut him short. That's the legendary Hall of Fame announcer, Russ Hodges. He said the Giants win the pennant 13 times. That was Bobby Thompson's famous three-run homer that won the pennant for the Giants over the Dodgers. Happened on this date, October 3rd, 1951. Time now for today's birthdays. A couple of Hall of Fame baseball players have birthdays today. First of all, Dave Winfield, he could do it all. He was drafted in the uh, baseball, in the NBA, and the NFL. Was a great college basketball player at the University of Minnesota. Hall of Fame ball player Dave Winfield is 66 today. Dennis Eckersley, best reliever of his time, one of the best of all time. Dennis Eckersley, now an announcer for the Boston Red Sox, and doesn't David Price, Price regret that, but Eck is 63 years of age today. Happy birthday goes to one of the most successful golfers of his time. That would be Fred Couples. Couples is 58 today. And a happy birthday goes to this former Pittsburgh Pirate. Who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? I didn't do it. I don't even have a dog. Bob Skinner. Bob Prince nicknamed him the dog. Bob Skinner, 86 years of age today. And coincidentally, our producer, Greg Kuntz's father, Robert, has the exact same birthday. He also is 86. Happy birthday to Robert Kuntz as well. Again, tomorrow we'll be talking some baseball with Kent Takalvi, some hockey on opening night, and some more Steelers football with Jerry Dulac. Hope you'll join me then for Savernon Sports beginning at noon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.